Welcome to the Hermitage Prayer Garden, located in the backyard of the Abbey of the Way, our home and ministry in Worcester. Hallie and I are preparing this place to be dedicated for God and for His people. It already has this waterfall. Soon it will have biblical stations of the cross along the wall. Behind me it will have a prayer gazebo, and under the trees it will have a way of life prayer labyrinth. This will be a place where believers can set apart some time to be with God in an environment of beauty that's fully dedicated to Him. Now throughout the Bible and church history, people have been setting apart such holy places for God in part because God is holy. In fact, in the holiest place of all in heaven, as recorded in both Old and New Testament, heavenly beings called seraphim are perpetually declaring even at this very moment, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Heaven and earth are full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy. That phrase and that word describing God, it's used some 830 times in the Hebrew Old Testament and another 235 times in the Greek New Testament, mostly referring to God, but also to those people and things which have been set apart and dedicated to God. The word holy means distinct, separate, or cut apart. It also means bright, implying morally upright, and especially so with God. In fact, holy really describes every attribute of God, who is distinct, who is a cut above in his holy love, his holy justice, his holy mercy, and his holy grace. God's awesome power without holiness would degenerate into cruelty. His absolute omniscience without holiness would become manipulation. His righteous justice without holiness would become revenge. And his sweet goodness without holiness would become coddling. His holiness is like no other. It has no rival. It finds no equal. After the birth of her son of promise, Samuel, Hannah prayed, There is no one holy like the Lord. And after the deliverance of the people of Israel at the Red Sea, Moses sang to the Lord, Who is like you, majestic in holiness? Now in his holiness, God is completely other. He's foreign. He's even frightening. When people first encounter the holy God, their response, including my own once, is terror in the presence of such holiness. You see, the Greek word for holy derives from the word awful thing. And in fact, those who aren't following God may well see him as such, as did I. You see, God is going to be for you, either like the lead character in a horror movie or the most wonderful person you've ever met in your life. For God isn't just holy he isn't just holy, holy, but he is holy, 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 causing dread for those who first meet him, who often fall at his feet before him in fear, as Simon Peter did when he said to Jesus, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. 
And yet the wonderful thing is that in his amazing love for us, God wants to make it possible for us to be holy as well. For God says, I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy, for I am holy. I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy, because I am holy. God wants us to be holy because he wants us to be able to approach him, to be united to him, and to become like him and to reflect him for others. Now, our sinfulness creates a barrier between us and him, but in helping us to be holy, God bridges the gap such that our worried fear of him becomes worshipful fear and awful love. Now, our becoming holy isn't the same as his being holy. We never get to be holy, 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 but we can get to be holy. Sort of like the pale moon can reflect the brilliant glory of the sun. But in our form of holiness, we can reflect his supreme holiness to others so that with us they can be drawn to approach the Holy One. You see, people become what they worship. If it's money, then they become greed. If it's sex, they become lust. If it's work, they become machines. If it's power, then they become dictators. But if it's God in Christ, then we become like him. We become holy. Now, at the beginning of much of the letters of the New Testament, we find descriptions of the believers being addressed. The Romans are described as loved by God and called to be his holy people. The Corinthians are sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy people. The believers addressed by Peter are called to be holy in all that they do because it is written, Be holy because I am holy. In our thoughts, our actions, our wills, our relationships, our business, our loves, our lives, we are meant to reflect the glorious holiness of God in ways that are visible to him and to others. We are, says the writer to the Hebrews, to make every effort to live in peace with everybody and to be holy. For without holiness, he says, no one will see the Lord. Oh, heavens, this is a really tall order, which many believers never scale. How are we to do such a thing to make every effort to be holy? Well, certainly it's not like acting holy. For if there's one thing God really doesn't like, it's hypocrisy. And it's not by becoming holier than thou. For God says of such people, they just pray with themselves. Still, we're told in Ephesians 1 verse 4 that we've been chosen to be holy and blameless in God's sight. So how can it be that we become holy as he is holy? Now, as Jesus would say, this is humanly impossible, but with God, all things are possible, including his making us holy. In fact, the God that we worship has named himself the God who makes holy. Now, this is the 10th message 
in a series on the names of God. Now, some of them are names that or attribute of attributes or actions which a Bible character has seen in God and has named him with, which God receives and welcomes. But this particular name, the God who makes holy, is a name that God said about himself. In the Hebrew, it's Jehovah Mekodeshkem, the God who makes holy, or the God who makes you holy, or more personally, the God who makes me holy. The God who sanctifies me. Me? Yes, you. Now the name appears two times in the Bible, both in the Old Testament, but the concept runs throughout the entire Bible. God makes his people holy. In Exodus chapter 31 and verse 3, God gives his law to his people through Moses, saying, You must observe my Sabbaths, which will be a sign between me and you for generations to come, so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Now, the word for make holy here implies creating or pronouncing someone or something clean, consecrated, and dedicated to God. This is something God actually wants to do with us. As in the case of a man with leprosy who met Jesus falling on his face saying, Lord, if you want to, you can make me clean. To which Jesus said, I want to be clean, be healed, or be holy. Now in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 8, this name of God appears again when he says to the Israelites through Moses, keep my decrees and follow them for I am the Lord who makes you holy. Sort of like, I am the Lord who holifies you. So what does this look like when this happens, God making us holy? Well, basically, a holy person looks like Jesus and like God's word in action and an ordinary human being. We become distinct, peculiar, like God, like Jesus in his day in his mercy, his truth, his justice, his grace, his love. We come to embody what the people said of the first believers. They are Christians, little Christs, or they've obviously been with Jesus. We become separated from others uh, who are not followers of Jesus as we live out God's word, when we bless instead of curse, when we love instead of hate, and when we live for God and others more than just for ourselves. We begin to look more like the word of God than the world. In this regard, Exodus 31, where God names himself as the one who makes holy, it's mentioned in connection with observing his Sabbaths. Now, that's a key part of our looking like Jesus in his word. In the Ten Commandments, in Exodus chapter 20, God says, Keep holy the Sabbath day, because it says, He blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, this day of rest, in which we draw near to the God of rest, was established by God for us to emulate him in his ceasing his labors and appreciating all that he had done in creation, which is a pretty good definition of this good day. It's one of those ways in which we are holy, distinct, set apart as he is holy.
Where so many people define their life by their work and never really rest, or others define their life by their rest and never really work, we are called to work for six days and then to have a day of rest in God. It's a weekly discipline that was practiced by Jesus in his life among us, and it's a holy habit of disengagement from work and from the workaday world in which we let go of those things which keep us bound up. It's kind of like another discipline, fasting, in which we let go of our obsession with food or technology. It's like silence in which we step away from the noise of our world. It's like the discipline of secrecy in which we renounce the evil of gossip and shaming. These experiences of self-imposed deprivation can sanctify us, weaning us from overdependence on things and patterns which can draw us from the love of God and from the abundant life which he has. And they can prepare us for times of deprivation, such as we are now in when so many things have been ripped away from us. They can also prepare us for times of suffering, such as Hallie and I are experiencing with her progressively terminal illness. With the, the God who sanctifies us, these hard times can become times that help us to become holy, more like him, since we've already been setting ourselves apart, distinct from the ways of the world, as in keeping this Sabbath day. In the Sabbath, we choose to disengage one day from work and from worry. Now, it's way more than just going to church. And as we now know, we need to find some new ways to Sabbath together more closely with others and to reach out to still others who won't be going to church. We make holy God's Sabbaths. We make them different. We make them special. We make them godly so that God can use them to make us holy and godly. This discipline of disengagement, one day out of seven, also is a discipline of engagement when we meet with God in worship and we meet with him and others in fellowship and in friendship when we rest and trust in God to provide, reaching out to those who don't know him. All aspects of a holy life we're called to live in Christ 24-7. Well, this is all well and good, but isn't that still us trying to make ourselves holy? Yes, if not for that name, the God who makes us holy in the midst of such things. But on the night before he died, at his last Passover with his disciples, Jesus said this in John chapter 14 and verse 15. He said, if you love me, keep my commands. Yes, and that's the part that you and I play in becoming holy. We respond to God's directions since he's the Lord and we're not. We put into practice what we hear of his word in the scriptures, as well as what we hear from his spirit as to his will for us in this or that situation. But this is how God particularly makes us holy in the Holy Spirit. For Jesus goes on to say, I will ask the Father, 
and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him because he lives with you and he will be in you. Now Jesus went on to say, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I've said to you. So there is this call to take holy action, but it must be preceded and powered by the action of the Holy Spirit in transforming us from within as he comes to live in us, teaching us, reminding us, testifying to us about the life of Jesus and the new life and nature that he is giving to us. That's why the beginning of John's Gospel states this about being a child of God, a holy child of God. It says, to all who received Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right, he gave power to become children of God. Note that what comes first there is receiving Jesus, which is made possible as we receive the Holy Spirit of Jesus within us. In fact, when Jesus first appeared to all the disciples on the evening of his resurrection, he said to his disciples, receive the Holy Spirit as he breathed on them, conveying to them the breath of new life in him. This became a mark of the holy people of Jesus, that they had the Holy Spirit living inside of them, enabled them to live and to be holy. In his first recorded sermon on the day of Acts, Peter, uh, the day of Pentecost, Peter said to those listening, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This became the normative pattern. Believing in Jesus Christ, receiving the Holy Spirit, and living a holy life. Now, and that holy life, which Jesus calls the abundant life, looks a little bit like this fountain. When Jesus once attended the eighth day of the Jewish festival of tabernacles in the temple at Jerusalem, in which a great offering of water was poured out upon the altar, he said, whoever believes in me, rivers of water will flow from within them, meaning the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. This is similar to what Jesus said to the Samaritan woman he once met at a well. He said, whoever drinks the water that I will give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. With the Holy Spirit inside of us, there is this holy life and holy living which supernaturally flows in us and through us and out of us. Through the Holy Spirit, our inner nature gets transformed towards the holy, such that we want and are enabled to live a holy life in Christ. The God who makes us holy is at work from the inside out. Is it done perfectly? No, not in this life. But the Spirit wells up in us as a taste of that heavenly, holy, eternal life, which will be ours in the life to come. Now, again, this is meant to be 
normal Christianity. This isn't just for the holy few. And I hope you have this way of life and this way of faith. For it is possible for believers to miss receiving the Holy Spirit. As Jesus did, the deacon Philip went to Samaria to proclaim Jesus. We record in Acts chapter 8, many believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ and were baptized. So when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria has accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them as they had only been baptized in the name of Jesus. So, as we conclude this reflection on this holy name and ministry of God, the one who desires to make each of us holy in him, I want to make sure that we're not like those believers in Samaria, that we have not received the Holy Spirit. And I want to lead us in welcoming the Holy Spirit for the first time for some of us or for the umpteenth time for others. In his letter to the Ephesians, Paul says that he wants believers to be filled to the measure of all in the fullness of God and to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what I want for me and that's what I want for you. A couple of things before we pray to welcome the Holy Spirit. Now it's possible that some of us have never personally asked Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, trusting that he died to forgive us our sins and that he lives to give us an, a life of abundant holiness. If that's the case for you, then today, before you leave this broadcast or this church building, Put something in that chat about how you want to put your faith in Jesus. Or let somebody in the building know that this is what you need. You need Jesus Christ. He is the prerequisite to being filled with the Holy Spirit. And now it's also possible that some of us have already received the Holy Spirit when we believed. But our lives probably don't look much like this fountain. The Bible says that it's possible to grieve the Holy Spirit in the way that we treat other people or to quench the Holy Spirit in preferring the ways of the world rather than the ways or the gifts of God or to resist the Holy Spirit who may be calling us to change or to trust him or to act in a particular way. So let's begin with a brief time of silence for each of us to confess any ways that we may have inhibited the Spirit's work in our life. Now, it also needs to be noted that the Holy Spirit is the Lord and giver of life and that he will need to be obeyed by those filled with him. So let's take another moment to make a promise to God that we will follow his direction no matter what the cost. So now let me ask you some questions which I hope you'll answer by saying simply yes. Have you asked Jesus 
to be your Lord as well as your Savior? Will you allow him to be in charge of your life in every area? Will you allow him to deal with your sin so as to forgive you? Will you make amends to those you have sinned against? Or will you grant forgiveness to those who have sinned against you? Do you want the Holy Spirit to fill your whole life? And will you obey his promptings? Well, I'm going to go off camera to pray for you as you look at the image of this fountain, which God wants to be the picture of your holy life in him. And now I'm going to pray for myself and for all who wish to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Holy God, Holy Spirit, you have described yourself as the God who makes us holy. I pray that you would do that today for me and for all who are seeking to be your holy people. People who are holy, who are distinct among all people, who are separate from the world system, cut apart from the work of the enemy, and bright in the darkness of this world, in the light of the Lord. We want to receive you, Holy Spirit, this day and each day as we ask you now to fill us so that we might become, in the words of Peter, the chosen people, the royal priesthood, the holy nation, God's special possession, so that we might declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Holy Spirit, fill us now with your presence, your power, your holiness, Thank you, Holy Spirit, for making us holy, the holy people of God who have received mercy to live the new and abundant life that Jesus has promised and provided for us. In his name we pray. Amen.